Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. What's sex got to do with it? Woo, I heard a woo. Oh, some of you are excited. Some of you are like, why are we talking about sex at church? This is the most embarrassing thing. If you got your, if you got children that you don't want to have this information going into their heads, they probably should go out and go to Voltage right now. <laughs> or you could just say, thank you, pastor. You opened up the door for good conversation with my children. You could do that as well. Just saying. And if your kids are watching online, you probably want to send them to the other room. Or not. You know, everybody's a different place. But we have been on this series called Sexology. I think you just need to say it just so it, just say sex. Sex. There you go. Just say it again. Sex. We talk about sex in church because sex is God's idea. And, uh, you know, and more so, and I think just to kind of put a little bit of a filter on this, so... And a lot of times when we talk about sex in church, we kind of get this mindset. It's all about the, oh, the do's and don'ts. And this is more going to be a different perspective, a little bit more the whys. Not why have sex, but just some of the other things connected to it. Because there's a lot of different reasons why sex is a good thing. But uh, sex has it's been such a hot topic in our culture. True? It has been. And I, I think like everything in life over the last two years... It has just gone to a whole nother level of skyrocketed in terms of, I don't even know what you want to call it, prominence or discussion or controversy or whatever. But wouldn't you agree? It has like skyrocketed to another level of crazy. And so I think it's a really good idea. We talk about stuff that's a big deal in our world and talk about it in church because a lot of times we can bring filters to things that we don't even realize we have. And you know, the issues of sexual identity and gender identity, I think it become almost the prevalent identities in our culture or that our culture thinks about when we're thinking about what defines us. And there's this assumption that sexual identity is the most important or even the fundamental thing about who you are. And that to be true to yourself, you need to figure out who you are sexually. That that's the most important thing about you, if you want to discover who you are, discovering who you are involves discovering who you are sexually. <laughs> it's getting so quiet in here, it's so funny. <laughs> it's like, you could be up here talking about this subject. <laughs> but let me, just, <laughs> let me just put this out there for consideration. Here's, this is something so important for us to get. Sexual identity is part of who we are but does not define who we are. I'm going to say that again. Our sexual identity, and we all have one, <laughs> sexual identity is a part of who we are, but it doesn't define who we are. There's a big difference. Now, to clarify, 
When I'm using the term sexual identity, I'm referring to something specifically. I'm talking about our attraction sexually, our, you know, our attractions romantically, who you're attracted or what type, whether, you know, what sex you're attracted to. I am not talking about gender identity. Now, gender, honestly, you have no idea. Right now, even bringing this up is setting me up for being a pow, 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 shooting duck during the week because this is such a hot button topic, but really I feel like it's so important because, you know, this whole issue, I really, the whole issue of, of sexual identity is about our attractions, but gender identity is something different. I believe gender is real. Gender does define us because gender is a God thing. God created them male and female with different biology and different parts. Yes? And I was trying to think of the best way to describe this, but it's kind of even awkward because some of these things don't apply anymore. (laughs) But I think it's still biology that women have ovaries and men have testicles, yes? Men create sperm, women create eggs. That's biology. I don't think that's changed. Some of you are like, this is so awkward. (laughs) Gender does define us because it's a God thing. And he makes you a certain way for a reason. But back to our original statement, sexual identity is a part of who we are. It doesn't define who we are. Our gender identity does define who we are because we're created by God. And yeah, I know there's a whole host of different things to go into that subject, but we're not going to go into that today. But here's the thing. God created us as sexual creatures, but he also created us that our lives would flourish when our primary overarching identity is in Christ. Where Jesus Christ is our identity. He is the only one that defines us. I want to read Colossians 3, verse 3, and and then verse 11. And this is what Colossians 3 in the message version, look at this. It says, your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life? Everyone say my real life. My real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. Can you say that with me? Say, he is my life. Online church, can you say that too? Let's all say it again in the room with online. He is my life. And Colossians 3.11, this is what Paul, he goes on to say, he says, from now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Let's say that together. Everyone is defined by Christ. Let's say it again. Everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. I am defined by Jesus Christ. And see, the truest, fullest sense of me happens the closer I get to Christ, not the more I lean into my inclinations. I'm going to say that again. The truest and fullest sense of you happens... The closer you get to Christ, not the closer you get to your inclinations or what someone else tells you your inclinations are. 
I feel it, therefore I am, will actually take you farther away from the true you you're trying to discover. And see, our identity needs to be based on something and someone that does not change. Something and someone that is true, that is faithful, that is lasting. And that's Jesus. Now, all of that is simply foundation to talk about what I really want to talk about today. And you're like, thank God, we're not going there all day. But what I really want to talk about is intimacy. Into me see. Maybe you've never thought about intimacy that way. But intimacy, into me see. And actually, that's why the title for today is, What Sex Got to Do With It? And I guess I think that's a really great question because I think as a society, we have been taught that sex equals intimacy and intimacy equals sex. That's not true. Sex is one kind of intimacy. It's just not the highest form or the deepest form of intimacy that your soul is longing for. And I would believe... I go so far as to say, I think this whole longing for intimacy, this desire in us to be seen, to be known, to be wanted, this whole into me see desire, I would go so far as to say this whole thing about intimacy, this is actually the underlying issue between so much of the confusion, the sexual confusion in our society today. See, we're creatures created for intimacy, Living in a sex-charged world. No wonder there's some confusing things going on in our world, in our lives, and in the lives of those, whether you're watching online and in the lives of the people in this room. And for a few minutes, I want to talk to just, I just want to make a few statements. I want to talk to all the married, non-married people, all non-married people. Give a shout out. Yes. Okay, I know there's a lot more of you in this room. And you're like, I don't want to, bro- I don't want to broadcast it. <laughs> but you know, first of all, I just want to make a statement. I'm very genuine in making this and in saying this is I am sorry. I'm not sorry that you're single. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's been the problem in the church. We have created this, I'm sorry you're single. And I'm actually sorry on behalf of the church, at least this church, that that has ever been communicated or portrayed in any way. I'm sorry we haven't as the church, and I'm talking the church, capital C Church in general, because this isn't just a city life thing. This is the church at large. This is primarily, at least I can say, Western Christian church culture. Is we have not talked enough about being single, about singleness and intimacy because we've communicated this false narrative that the be-all, end-all in life is marriage or partnership and having sex is the ultimate intimacy. That you're somehow lacking or missing out if you're single. You know, this is actually kind of the environment I I personally was raised in. And, you know, it's funny because even preparing for this message, I was thinking about this. And, 
You know, my mom and dad loved each other so much. They have one of these crazy, crazy stories where they met, fell in love, and got married within three months. Yeah, they told us my whole life, don't do that. And they would be called, they would do a lot of, you know, they were pastors for many years. And so they did a lot of, you know, marriage counseling or they'd go out and do like marriage retreats and they'd, you know, tell their story and they're like, we're not recommending this for everybody. And, you know, it's really kind of funny because when my mom and dad, after they passed away, my dad's oldest sister, he uh, or she had sent these letters back to my sister that my dad and my aunt had engaged in for about oh my gosh, probably about 20 or 30 years back and forth letters. And so I actually got to see the unfolding of my mom and dad's relationship when they met and their story and just their thoughts and falling in life. So it was really kind of wild reading this, but you know, I was, I'm so thankful. I grew up in a home where my mom and dad loved each other so much, but that because they were so passionate and loved each other, they just wanted everybody else to experience that too. And they wanted that for us and for my siblings and I, but, but, in, but inadvertently, and I think this is what the church, what we've done inadvertently and unintentionally, we've propped up marriage as the goal in life, as this idol, and I'm going to say it, the church has idolized marriage to a place that God did not intend marriage to be. Now, let me say this just to be clear. <laughs> It's like when you love somebody, when you love something so much, you just want others to experience it. Let me be clear. Marriage is a good thing. If you are married, stay married. (laughs) All the married people, raise your right hand and say, I will stay married. (laughs) Online, I will stay married. Yes, you will. Even Paul said this. I wish everyone was single, but then he also would say, if you're married, stay married. (laughs) God's plan is you stay married. (laughs) But here's the thing about marriage. Marriage is a calling, not a goal. Marriage is a calling from God, not a goal. Our goal in life is not to find a partner. Our goal in life is not to stop being single. Our goal in life is Jesus. Our goal in life is Jesus. Now, if a man and woman are going to be in a lifelong committed relationship, marriage is the way God designed and determined how that relationship is meant to be lived out and expressed. Marriage is the relationship God blesses. Marriage is the relationship between two people, a man and a woman, that God blesses. But marriage and partnerships are not the way we experience fulfillment in life. You know, Jesus said in John 10, 10, This is out of the Amplified. He says, the thief comes only in order to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. Everyone say abundance. 
Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. See, Jesus said, I have come to give you a full and abundant life. And how? Not by giving you a spouse or giving you a partner, but by giving us himself. Jesus is a way we experience fullness in life. See, culture might tell us success looks like marriage or success looks like partnership. But see, Bible tells us success looks like Jesus. Success looks like Jesus. And here's something to think about. Jesus chose to be single. Oh, your teens are just going, shut up. Like, why are we talking about this? I get enough from my mom and dad. I, I hear you. Hey, I hear you. But I think it's something we kind of miss. You know, we hear about, you know, oh, well, you know, God and the bride of Christ. And, you know, that'll, you know, it's like, well, yeah, that's how we related with the church. But Jesus chose to be single. The way Jesus chose to show us how to do life as a new creation human being was as a single human man. Out of all the relationships Jesus chose to show us how to model or to show us how to live the Christian life, how to live the life God designs for, how to live a new creation life as a new kind of human being. He did it as a single celibate man. <laughs> and singleness is not to be seen as a less than. And you know, when those questions come up, am I desirable? Does anyone want me? Will someone make me theirs? You know, the answer to those questions isn't found in a relationship with another person. See, that deep inner longing to be seen, to be known, to be wanted, that longing can be only fulfilled through Christ. See, Jesus is the only one that makes me whole. And you know, coming from someone I remember through my teen years and through my single years where there were so many, it was like lots of relationships where I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm missing something. I don't feel whole, so I need to be in this relationship, and I need this kind of relationship, and I need this from this relationship, and I need to be whole, and I don't feel whole. And I can remember the night when God set something free in my heart and in my soul, where he came in and filled me with himself in a way I had never experienced before. And see, I firmly believe that you will never, if marriage is a calling in life, and, and actually even, let's just forget about the whole marriage thing. You can't, there, there's something about being, experiencing that intimacy with another human being, not sexual intimacy, but intimacy with another human being. That starts with God making us whole first. And as long as there's that gap in us and we're trying to fill that hole with a human, you will always be disappointed. You might find a person and you might become, you might move in together, you might get married, but if that hole is not filled by God, you will always be lacking. And you will put pressure on that other person to feel something in you that they were never designed to feel. Why do so many marriages, why do so many Christian marriages fall apart? It's because we go into these relationships with expectations of you're supposed to feel this in me, and you're not. So I might as well go find it someone else. 
See, God is the one. His presence is what makes us whole. And that longing is actually what intimacy is about, to be seen, to be known. And guess what? Jesus is the one that stepped up and said, I am your person. I am going to do that for you. I am going to be that for you if you'll let me. And see that being known and being wanted and being desired and being seen, that deep inner longing to have that fulfilled, that happens when we're willing to trust Jesus. It doesn't come through sex. It doesn't, it's not fulfilled through romantic desires being fulfilled. It comes through Jesus. And I'm sure some are saying, well, aren't we made for intimacy with people? Yes, we are, but sex isn't the way. So, I'm going to give you three very practical things. There is a buttload of stuff we could talk about this subject. But I picked out three that I thought were quite practical that apply across the board. So this is applying not just to singles. This is applying not just to married. This is applying how do you have intimate relationships with friends that aren't sexual? How do you have an intimate relationship with the opposite sex that's not sexual? How do you have an intimate relationship with the same sex that's not sexual? Parents, how do you have an intimate relationship with your kids? Man, I'd even go so far as to say, you know, I think parents, if we can teach our kids intimacy at home in a healthy environment, they might be less likely to look for it in the wrong ways. How do we cultivate intimacy? Number one, trust and be trustworthy. Oh, gosh, I got four minutes. We might be a little bit longer. They can let the kids know. Trust and be trustworthy. Trust is the soil where intimacy grows. Trust is the soil where intimacy grows. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 in the Amplified. This has been one of my favorite verses. Listen to this. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Man, I love that. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Can you say that with me? Say, I want to believe the best of every person. Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know what? The more we trust, the gentler our spirit becomes. And that's what creates this ground for intimacy to really grow, to be nourished in our lives. And you know what? Yes, there are going to be times. Well, if I trust everybody and believe the best of everybody, I'm going to be hurt. Yes, you will. It's called being human in a broken world that's messed up right now. But you know what? The payoff for the connection and deep intimacy that does come as a result of trust and being trustworthy, it far outweighs the pain and the heartbreak of occasional disappointments and hurt. So trust and be trustworthy. Number two, stop shopping relationally. Stop shopping relationally. I'm not talking about playing the field and dating and just kind of, oh, I want to try this one, I want to try this one. I'm talking about relational transactions. What are relational transactions? Well, relational transactions are when I have the idea of this. I'm looking for this from you. I'll do this so I can get this from you. I am this kind of person so I can get this from you. 
hopefully you'll bring this into my life. Those are relational transactions. We're trying to get something from the relationship versus approaching relationships with what can I give. Now, yes, I know it's a natural human thing to look at the friends or to look at the people in our life thinking, oh, they'd be great. You know, I could get this, I could get this, I guess. That might be the human way. It's just not the God way. It's not the true way God designed us. Because the res how it works is when you bring something into, when you're looking at what can I bring into this relationship, how can I help this person become all that God created them to be? You know what? When you're giving like that, it does something. It starts to unlock the capacity to develop an intimate relationship. And I can't think of a better example than the relationship a mother has with their baby when they're carrying it. There is nothing, a mother, and this is so weird. Anybody, if you've ever carried a human inside you, you know there is something. It's this weird, uncanny connection that you have with your baby that dads have it a little bit harder in relating to. Moms, yes. Dads, does this make sense? Yes, would you agree? It's harder to connect. You feel like, oh, it's not really real to can hold that thing. And even then, maybe when they're talking and moving around, other than they're just kind of like, eh, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> but the relationship that mom has with that baby, it's all about give. That baby's not giving anything back except a lot of heartache sometimes. Indigestion, <laughs> nausea, sleepless nights, and they're not even crying yet. Pains in your body. Body parts being distorted in ways you didn't know they could be distorted. <laughs> but it's all about giving and giving and giving, but there's this intimate connection. And I can't help think, but there's something about our human relationships. If we could come with this, I want to give, I want to give, I want to give, and believe and trust that God somehow is going to replenish back. But see, relational transactions actually keep us from intimacy. When there are no transactions, when you just want to be with someone just to be with someone, think of the people that you're the closest with. It's not like an agenda, we're going to do something. It's like, oh, I just want to be with you. I want to hang out. Those are the friends where you feel that deep thing in your heart. Yes? It's true. It's just like, we just want to be together. I just want to hang out with you. Okay. Just wanting to be with someone. It's a powerful thing. And I, this, you know what? This works with God and humans. We just want to be with God, not to get something from him. I love Jesus, how he said, Matthew 6, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place where you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. You know what is God's grace? It's his supernatural ability to do the hard stuff. Number three, this is the last one. Learn the art of real conversation. Learn the art of real conversation. You know, I'm sharing something that this is when I, when I read this and first started, when I was discovered this, it's like, oh my gosh, I have a lot of work to do on this. But this is about quality over quantity, but quantity is needed. I'll explain. Learn the art of real conversation. Number one, put your phone away. <laughs> Some of you are like, okay. I'm serious. 
make it a goal. See, this is one of the ways church, you know, the church has been called, we're supposed to be different than our world. And one of the greatest gifts that we can give our world, one of the greatest gifts, students, I won't even say this much, this one thing alone will put you in a category of being different in a good way, not isolated, but it will give you a confidence that the rest of your peers don't have. Because right now we are so comfortable with this thing in front of our face. Do you know what the new badge of courage is? It's somebody actually going out in public without that phone. That is the greatest badge of courage. There is nothing that speaks confidence when I see a young person hanging out without their friends or in a place where they maybe are just, ah, it's kind of awkward, and they don't have their phone up in front of their face. You will never have the connections, the intimacy that you're longing for will never happen virtually. It just won't. It just won't. We were made for human connection. Now, virtual can open up the door to some great conversation, but it doesn't feel the need. It doesn't feel the need. And you know what? We know this from two years of having a lot of virtual that just didn't quite fit the bill for what we needed inside, yes? If we're honest, there are five levels of communication. Like I said, I'm going to go over, but I'm going to share these. There's a lot to unpack. I'm just going to try to give. There's five levels, and each level is moving the connection deeper. I'll give you the five and then just say a few things about them. The first one is cliche. Number two, facts. Number three, opinion. Number four, feelings. Number five, transparency. And cliche is this is where every conversation needs to start. How you doing? What have you been up to? It's great. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's shallow. Now, let me just tell you. I am not proposing that we jump into level four and five when you don't know somebody, okay? You know, welcome home team. We don't want you like jumping into level five at transparency at the door. You know, there's nothing wrong with shaking hands. Say, hi, how you doing? Great to see you. That is common courtesy, okay? That's good. Everyone say cliche is okay. Number two facts. Great day, isn't it? We're exchanging. You might say... Oh, I had a rough last night, or a rough night last night, or whatever. So here, facts. That's revealing what you know, but not who you are. Three is where actually it's the starting place that starts opening up the potential for intimacy. Opinion. What do you think of? What do you think about? It's still guarded, but man, when you can answer that question honestly, sharing your thoughts or your opinions, that's like a first step in trust. Because you're kind of taking a risk, you're exposing yourself. And you know what's really sad? Most of us, and even a lot of families, we don't go beyond number one and two. Opinion. And one of the things about me, this is where it's easy to stay here because sharing what we think feels really good. But it actually is still not who you are. And that's why you can sit around talking about a lot of stuff and still feel disconnected from people. Isn't that true? But here's where we get number four and number five. 
the feelings part. And it's just like, oh, I don't want to talk about this part. I don't have to talk about this part. Yeah, we do. <laughs> How are you, really? How do you feel about? Maybe it's an experience or a person. Maybe instead of, what do you think about the message? <laughs> Maybe feelings is, how did that message connect with you? And this is where we start sharing what's inside our hopes and our disappointments and our fears. And, you know, until someone knows your feelings, they really don't know you. And the last one, number five, is transparency. This is sharing who you are. This is no edit button. And this isn't something that we share with the whole world on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. But transparency is those people that they can ask you the question, how are you? And you're like, ah, oh, fine. And they go, no, how are you really? And then you're gonna go, oh, I actually suck right now. It's like, oh, there's stuff in me. I guess it's not that great. <laughs> or it's awesome. I am so, oh, God's done this cool thing in me. The transparency stuff is the truthful stuff. Sometimes it's hard to articulate. And I think sometimes we don't go there because we feel like we're the only ones. I can't talk. I don't know what to do. And this is so bad. And, you know, parents, I'll give you a tip. Because sometimes the stuff is hard to articulate. And if you're really wanting to go deep in your conversation with your kids and you're having a hard time with the verbal thing, try writing letters because you might have a kid that can express themselves really well with their words in pen and paper. But transparency is the invitation to the other person to do the same, to open up and be open. And I just, can I invite everyone, can we just stand? And I just wanna, I wanna invite us as a church. Could we, can we make a commitment? Could we practice, there's two things, there's two challenges I have for us today. Number one, church, could we practice deeper level conversations? Again, I'm not talking about, you know, going to level four and five with people bearing no. But I'm talking about, could we practice? And you know, it's one thing to be really friendly, it's another thing to just really wanna, really wanna know each other and ask the kind of questions that go beyond just surface level and then be willing to share and not just be so casual about, eh, I'm okay, you know. But here's the second challenge. I'm calling it the intimacy challenge. And I'm just gonna put this out there for anyone right now who is not married, but you're involved sexually, whether it's in a monogamous relationship or otherwise. Here's the challenge. For 30 days, would you take the intimacy challenge and say no to sex and pursue intimacy with God and non-sexual intimacy with people and just see what kind of difference it makes in your soul? And you're saying, why the heck are you saying that in church? This isn't about a do or don't. This isn't about rules and just follow the rules and do what the rules say. This isn't about that at all. But it's my hope and prayer 
that over this time you'd be able to lock into the true deep intimacy that God has created your soul to encounter and have that part in you filled by him like you've never experienced fulfillment before. I want to invite us to pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. God, that is so beyond our comprehension. God, thank you for your kindness and your mercy. And God, in no way, God, even right now, I just pray that there wouldn't be any condemnation heard through anything that was said. There wouldn't be any, any kind of guilt or shame in anything that was said because that's not your heart. It's not my heart. And God, I know that your heart and your desire for us is, God, to know your presence, to know that, know you, Jesus, in a way that, Father, who you say we are defines us in ways that are beyond what we've maybe allowed ourselves to even know who we really are or even considered who we could be. God, we are those that you say you love. We are your love, children. I think we even just need to say that. Can you say that with me? Say, God, thank you that I am your loved. Now insert son or daughter, whichever applies. I am your loved child. God, thank you for choosing me, for wanting me, for seeing me in ways no one else can see me. God, I love you, and we're so thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And God, I just even pray specifically, we can, can we just, I wanna ask really boldly, can I pray for some people here today where you say, you know, this whole thing of intimacy freaks me out because I've had people that I trusted really break that trust. And everybody, just with your eyes closed, I'm going to have my eyes closed. I simply want to pray for you, and I want to agree with you. There's something about physically moving and lifting your hand as a physical acknowledgement. It sinks, it solidifies something in your mind that something, I made a decision today for something different. And if you would, I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to call you a friend. I'm going to pray right where you're at, but I want to pray for you. If you're saying this whole thing about intimacy, I want to, but I'm just so scared. I don't know, invite you to lift your hand now as a way of reaching out to God and say, God, today I'm putting my hand up as a mark that today is going to be the start of a new way of relating with you and relating with others. And God, right now, I pray, Father, whatever, whosoever hands are raised, even online that might be watching, God, I come into agreement now. And God, I ask for your healing power to come in those areas of brokenness, those areas where trust has been betrayed, where trust has been broken. God, where things have been done that were so wrong. God, even where there have been wrong pictures and wrong ideas and even a wrong understanding of, of what intimacy is, what it really means to be seen and known. And God, where things have been mixed up. God, I just pray even right now, I speak courage, Father, to trust you. God, I speak freedom today to to these individuals that there would just be even just a supernatural sense of God you you establishing something deep in their soul a deep sense of trust in you a deep sense of 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 commitment to you a deep sense that you are filling them in a way that they have never felt fulfillment before in a way that you're going to give them the ability to trust and open up not only to you but God to others and God I thank you for that I thank you for that healing in relationships in Jesus' name. And one more prayer. You know, anybody, your relationship with Jesus, man, you're saying, I need this. 
I don't even know where to start, but I just think I need Jesus. You know, we want to pray together. And can we do this church, you know, saying yes to Jesus is saying yes to receiving his love and his life and letting him define who you are. So can we pray this prayer together? Just say, Jesus, thank you that you have defined me. I am in Christ because of what Jesus has done for me. I say yes to you, Jesus, to salvation, to forgiveness of my sins, and a brand new start today in your name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.